Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. Our guest today is Sangeeta Jain. Sangeeta is the mother of a 21-year-old young man with autism, Suvrat. Her older daughter, Shreya, was featured in Episode 6 of this podcast, where she talked about growing up with a sibling on the spectrum. Sangeeta is also the vice principal at Soram, a school for children with disabilities in Chandigarh, India. The Global Autism Project partnered with Soram in 2010. We have since sent 25 Skill Corps volunteer teams to provide hands-on, sustainable training to their teachers and staff. In today's conversation, Sangeeta talks about the understanding of autism in India and the lack of standardization in the services available there. We also discuss her son's diagnosis, the relationship between her two children, and what she envisions for Suvret's future. Sangeeta also shares how Soram has been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic and what she's learned about leadership over the years. As one of the original Global Autism Partners, Sangeeta tells a special anecdote from when a particular Skill Corps volunteer team visited her country. In this episode, discover what's possible when you create what you're looking for. For more information about Sangeeta and her work, please visit our show notes at autismknowsnoborders.com. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Autism Podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project. And now, I present you, Sangeeta Jain. Hi, Sangeeta. Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much, Rachel, for inviting me. I'm so glad that I'm here today. Could you please briefly introduce yourself? I'm Sangeeta Jain, a mother of 21-year-old boy, young, handsome boy, I would say, and also as working as professional. We have this institute called Sorum, where we had, before lockdown, 172 students, 68 students with autism. And uh, since I said like 172 students, uh, the services vary from early intervention to provide vocational skill training. And this journey has been very beautiful for me because of my inspiration. That's my son. So, yeah. And you're a special guest, not only because you're a global autism partner, but also because your daughter Shreya was one of our first guests on this podcast. Yeah. She's also interned with Global Autism Project. Mm-hmm. So I encourage our listeners to check out episode six with Shreya if they haven't already. And you're joining us today from Chandigarh, India. Yeah, Chandigarh, India. Chandigarh is a very beautiful city, small city and uh, beautifully architect. I would say like, you know, if you go to India, this is the most beautiful city, not because I le- live here, but it's actually <laughs> the one of the most beautiful cities. And this is in the northern part of India, pretty near to the capital, something like fa- five hours drive from Delhi. 
Okay. So let's start with how autism is viewed in India. We have several listener questions that I'll be inserting throughout this interview. And this one is actually from Tay Ruiz. They want to know what's the acceptance like in India with people with autism? So with the awareness, I would start with like the question you asked me, awareness, it's it varies. So we've come a long way in the metropolitan cities and the smaller cities also, the awareness is there. But for the acceptance, then again, it varies. I mean, parents still want to hide. And in the rural areas and the villages, because India is a very big country, we have small cities also. But somewhere in the rural villages, you know, people still think that this is something like, I don't know how to say it, but something like black magic or something like that. But in the cities, the acceptance is there, the awareness is there, what is autism spectrum disorder. And parents, educated parents especially, really want to help their child. So it really varies. The acceptance and the awareness, it has started coming in homes, especially and in the community, but it has a long, long way to go. It has a long way to go yet. Mm -hmm. This is another listener question. What is the diagnostic criteria of autism in India? So if I talk about the diagnosis, I would say like a decade ago, children were usually diagnosed as PDD, NOS, if they were high functioning or, you know, intellectual disabled. So my son, who's 21 years old, has a diagnosis or disability certificate in the name of multiple disability. And now, of course, the medical professionals are aware of, but we're still using very old assessment checklists like cars, something, or not too sure of what are they using right now currently. But in India, we do not have any of our own checklist formed. We are forming, we are, you know, we're all getting onto it, like what ecologically or culturally is more valid to us. But somehow we are all taking the checklist assessment tools from the Western countries. So that is how, as I said, like the diagnosis also varies because if you are into the rural areas, probably the diagnosis will come as an intellectual disability and not as autism spectrum disorder. Mm. But medical professionals like doctors, pediatricians, psychologists are very well aware if they reach out to them, they are able to diagnose them with the autism spectrum disorder it is coming as i said like we're not that bad as we were about 10 years back but it has started and it has to you know continue to say like oh we we're good with the diagnosis we have everything and uh, it's like they we there are no concerns and uh, in it we do have concerns mm-hmm was there something that happened 10 years ago to kind of propel this awareness? I think parents were the were the key factors like where we realized that our children have autism spectrum, they have this diagnosis. So why shouldn't we get the diagnosis of such? And also the uh, certain acts came like National Trust Act and then the revised uh, Person with Disability Act came where the clear, you know, they mentioned about autism spectrum disorders also. So I think the government became aware of and then once then everything is we be more aware of, the diagnosis is also comes in the medical hospitals and everywhere. People need to work for that. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah the start it all it all it came from was i what i believe is in from the parents because they wanted the diagnosis as a autism spectrum disorder yeah this kind of ties into the next listener question from shruti they're asking if the parent community in india can influence the government to start providing funding for essential families because you know there's often late intervention because of late diagnosis and so they want to know if there can be some kind of education to consider early intervention for kids who have a diagnosis of autism so in the medical hospital government medical hospitals there is a provision of early intervention play therapies and all those things but as of like the question is like parent community can influence there are under national trust act there is a probability that you can apply for the funding grant and all but to get any kind of grants from the government it requires a lot of you know paperwork and it's a continuous process and a very very a big effort i would say because if you're passionate and you want to work towards it and you know and it's not that easy that you just apply the paperwork and you get it you have to follow up you have to continuously do all that and i do not know how much time will it take so if we're talking about the early intervention it has to start as early as possible and most of the parents would you know give up halfway and certain ngos are also applying for this kind of fund but again i think the government part when we talk about it's not that easy to get anything mm-hmm. it takes a lot of effort and it's better to do you know whatever resources you have to start with something on your own and then in that process if you can get some kind of grants that's like great but do not just do not keep waiting for the grants to come because you really do not know when it comes and how much it comes and how much is sanctioned and what would you get whether it gets sanctioned that like too many questions attached to it mm. so our families paying out of pocket everyone everyone is paying from pocket but we do have some uh, government schools but again i mean i'm not too sure but they're not the practices that we want to you know avail for our children are not standardized or are not the benchmark that we would like to send so every parent whosoever has like little money would like to send them to some therapist or pay from their pockets and get the services rather than sending to the government medical hospitals or therapists hmm. so what services are available for families from the point of diagnosis until adulthood so for the diagnosis we need to actually go reach out to the government medical hospitals for us to get a certified diagnosis the standalone practitioners like psychologist and all even if they write you don't get the disability certificate so it's not that uh, you know insert the the diagnosis i think many parents when the kid is too small maybe they feel that okay you know maybe my child will come out of this autism spectrum disorder so i'm i don't want to get my child labeled or for whatever reasons they don't even get it diagnosed at very young age from the government medical hospital so that's part of the diagnosis uh, like if you want a diagnosis by and a certification then you need to go to a government medical hospital otherwise the diagnoses are available with the pediatricians and uh, on the paper they would you know their prescription they would say that the child falls under autism spectrum disorder 
and then of course as i said like the very big government medical hospitals will have psychologist will have neurologist will have psychiatrist and may have some kind of you know some people like play therapist or person but not exactly i would say like they would have some bcbas or a special educator who would really really understand the needs of a child with autism spectrum disorder with intellectual disability uh, you know it's been going on since long so they are able to take uh, cater to their needs but with autism spectrum disorders i'm not too confident about it or probably in different parts of india there may be available but uh, in smaller cities i don't see that happening and also probably in the villages also it's not there so yes of course when i say there are institutes and mostly what i see is there are stand alone institutions like when you one person opens a therapy center and is providing services so the services the quality of the services would really vary because it is not standardized by the government like okay this is what you all need we all have to get registered through rehabilitation council of india but again like in us how it is standardize the benchmarking it's not there in india so anyone whosoever is providing the services is there and you know you have to by the word of mouth or someone like oh that my son really got well and this person is fine and has more passion so it really varies there's nothing like i would say standardized services overall in india because it's as i shared earlier it's a very big country with you know 22 official languages it varies so if you go to the different part of india there would be different people working and their way would be different so somewhere uh, it's it would vary and you really don't know what is happening in the other part of india for us well like for sorum i think we had a chance to understand what is the global benchmark through global autism you know autism and this was like the best practices found in the western countries so we were able to definitely you know follow those practices but i'm and there would be certain institutes but majorly in metropolitan cities but if i talk about the smaller cities i mean i'm not too sure of that the services that they're providing i see What kinds of services did your son Suvrit receive? So he got diagnosed at the age of one year or eight months, pretty early as for that time, and uh, that's again a kind of a big story of his diagnosis and everything. So the, for the services, there was nothing in Chandigarh at that time, and we had to go to Delhi for that, which is capital of India. So. i was trying to reach out and that was there of no internet no computers no you know this google and smartphones so you couldn't actually you know even know about what autism is so i had like a big deal in diagnosis of my own son and uh, since he was too young nobody was diagnosing him either like it's too young you just need to keep watch and all that stuff What was that like for you? Yeah, it was it was very tough because Rachel from my family also I mean because he was very small and he was he regressed. 
so i could see him regressing losing his you know speech staying aloof not talking to anyone not playing with his cousins so that was the time i kind of i thought like something is wrong with my child and when i started noticing and discussing with my family members it was majorly you know telling me like oh you are that worrying types and overthinker he's just got you know he's overcoming his sickness because he he got actually high fever and uh, which was followed by the regression so after that when he was like recovering i could see a major shift in him like he was not speaking was not playing was all day in his room you know just spinning around and i didn't know about all at that time anything about autism so for me it was more about like why is he doing this so my family members everyone my in-laws they said like oh he's just recovering you just worrying types and all that but somewhere inside i never felt like that was okay something is wrong with my child so i insisted like let's take him to you know someone and my pediatrician said like oh no 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 nothing is wrong with him but then again i wanted to do something so actually there was a time my in-laws told my husband that your wife needs help you she needs to go to the psychologist and uh, because she's wow. thinking so much like there's some problem with the child like just how can anyone think about one year 6 7 month old baby who has like a problem what's the problem like he's not talking that's like okay he's not playing with others it's okay but shreya is older so you could compare right like you had some kind of reference yeah i had a reference she's 5 years almost 5 years elder to subrat somewhere i i also feel that mother has this intuition that something is wrong with my child so i think that probably brought me to the you know insisting that we need to do something about it finally my husband agreed and we did go to a psychologist the psychologist again said like oh keep a watch on his milestones and we really don't know right now we can't say anything but i actually met my friend so she unofficially told me she was uh, you know interning there with the psychologist so she was interning and she said like you know it could be autism spectrum disorder so <laughs> autism like it was a pretty new term i never heard about it and as i shared earlier there was it was a era of no google and internet and all those things so i went to library was searching for something like you know i can read about it and i think i got hold of some two books where like small articles about autism written and then it said something oh they won't hug you they won't do this they won't do that and i said no 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 my child is like okay my child doesn't have autism but again i mean like it felt like something is wrong with my child and 2 3 months again i kept insisting that we need to do something and that's where we went to delhi and i went to delhi we went to some two three big hospitals very big hospitals and then they were diagnosing and i think the psychologist in one of the biggest hospitals of india she was wearing a very big bindi so subrat was able to give a very good eye contact to her and did all those small puzzles and something whatever she gave him and they just oh no 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 he's just fine he has good eye contact and he's done this puzzles for me and is okay so just to clarify the bindi is can you describe that yeah the the one that i'm wearing in the forehead it's basically you know hindu indian women wear this red big dot on their forehead which is usually worn by the married women 
Okay. So you're saying Suvrit was looking at that. And so it appeared that he had good eye contact. Yeah. That's what I felt. What I observed was like he was constantly looking at her because the bindi is usually put into between the brows of your eyebrows of your forehead. So he was looking at it and he was giving eye contact and he did follow some small, you know, puzzles like uh, form board puzzles, like he did something and then he said, oh, he has a very good eye contact and he doesn't have autism. So we went from there and somewhere in my heart, I was so happy racial like you know my son doesn't have autism but then what was it and then again like just to you know we went to one more doctor and there he said like oh he has autism Mm. and then again it was like a such a big conflict this big doctor say he doesn't have autism this doctor says he has autism but then he did say like uh, you know he has autism so then I asked him like what do I do if he has autism what do I do then he said like oh there's something megavitamin therapy this some kind of diet because he was a psychiatrist and then he said most importantly you need to do a training and he guided me to one of the mothers Mary Barua who runs now National Center for Autism in Delhi he said you go to her she's taken some training from US and she's back and she's opened a center over you go there and I went and when I met I spoke to her I saw children over there I knew my son has autism and then she said like please focus on the training and I said okay that was the time like you know as a mother I said like if my child doesn't have autism like my head says he has autism but my heart was somewhere you know trying to deny that like if my child doesn't have autism and if I do this training and I work with him like this in this particular manner will he get into autism spectrum disorder if he doesn't have she says no no it's nothing like that if he doesn't have he'll just be like a normal baby don't worry about that so I decided to take my first training there and it was not easy because as I shared my daughter who was almost six and a half years old I had to leave her back in Chandigarh and stay in Delhi for my training and uh, with small baby you know commuting coming staying there was not at all easy so I stayed there for about four to five months and then I came back so that was my first I would say the therapy Subrut got and that was my first training but then when I came back there was again nothing available in Chandigarh so but yeah now yes of course like I started my journey very late but as a parent I feel that I missed out on certain part Although I did take my training, but what you need for a comprehensive training, you need support system for yourself, for your child. That was not available for my son at that time when he was young. Yeah. So I want to go back to something you said, Sangeeta, about having that conflicting emotion of denial. Mm -hmm. It's a very common step in the process of grieving. We've talked about grieving the loss of the child that you could have had with autism parents. So could you talk to us about your process of accepting Suvrit's autism? So, Rachel, I think I'm one that with the diagnosis, it was not a long period of denial or of not accepting my child it was more of what I can do at this point 
and i i did not even hide from people i don't know why but it came to me like i need to do something and my love for him was more than this diagnosis so when i went there i think my first 3 4 months while i was there in delhi when i met parents and i saw them i thought it is it's just okay it's just okay to accept and to work with the child yeah i had my own you know grief like whenever i saw somebody smiling or laughing or doing something i always you know thought like um, how can this person laugh so much isn't she feeling too you know overweight by the diagnosis but then gradually i realized like he is child first he is your child first and how you're going to behave with your child is actually the others are going to take it that way so the acceptance has to come from the parent first when i see other parents it could vary from few months to few years for me it was pretty quick because maybe i went to the right person where i got the right guidance and i was probably a person who believes more in this kind of strategy and says like i am going to do something and i want to help him out whatever way i can Mm-hmm. so that was not very easy because you know you were living in a joint conservative family and you don't want to totally when you're trying and stepping out of it so thinking like that i think it really helped me because it was more a focus what to do rather than to grieve i always said to myself there's no time to sit and cry and grieve about it pull up your socks and get going Mm-hmm. that's what i you know i was able to carry forward myself how did your husband handle the diagnosis and all of the treatments over the years in terms of emotional support and when i said that i want to go for my training want to live in delhi for 3 4 months he really supported me Mm-hmm. and by that time when um, everything was happening my extended family also started supporting me that she's there for her son and i think i got support from everyone initial 5 6 months were difficult but then when i took the step i got the support also from the from everyone he was also like you know okay that this is what it is and we need to accept and the physical part you know training and everything dealing with him was more with me whereas other way like supporting financially emotional support encouraging me to do everything he was there throughout that's wonderful that you guys were able to work as a team yeah to do what's best for your son yeah how did you balance the relationship between shreya and suvrit so I had to leave Shreya for four or five months back to Chandigarh, and of course, like as I shared, there's nothing in Chandigarh. After that, also I kept, you know, going to Delhi for the follow-up programs to do with Suvrat. So Shreya was she definitely grew up little faster than the other children, I would say. But I also realized that Shreya was a miracle child. I mean, like you know, where you treat average children like okay she was a wonder child to me because whatever i said she understood we were able to understand each other so 
I think I was able to understand her more. And there was no something like expectations like, oh, you need to excel in your studies or you need to do this and you're this. And I understood that like whatever she's doing is like amazing to me. I still remember I went to her parent-teacher meeting and then this class teacher told me, oh, she talks a lot and she does this and she's like a, such a naughty child and so on. I said like, oh, really? And then she says, Mrs. Jane, I'm not talking in a positive way. And then I said, yeah, but then you, <laughs> I don't know how to you know, even stop not being happy about it because where your one child doesn't play, is not naughty doesn't speak the other child the teacher is saying is she speaks a lot i mean for me it was like yeah i mean yeah i i understand but suvrat taught us the acceptance i think in our life so it was just not the acceptance of autism it was also acceptance of like my daughter is good you know I don't have any complaints. The one thing like as a, you know, a neurotypical child where you would want your child to go out with the peers, have blast and, you know, say like, oh, stop playing, come inside. It's time to do all that. And with a special child with autism spectrum disorder, your child doesn't go out to play. He doesn't have friends. And when this child is doing this, appreciate, acknowledge it. <laughs> so where is the problem? I mean, mm -hmm. like you balance it. It's up to you as a mother to balance your life like you're getting from one from a child. So, yeah, as I said, like she definitely grew faster. She was like a second mother to Suvrat. And while I was in Delhi, whenever she had holidays, she would come and stay with me. I would take her to center, would use her like a buddy to teach social skills to children. So she also enjoyed a lot of attention. So she was a part of whatever training that we took from a day one and when I introduced token economy with my son at home so the token economy was applied to my daughter also for her homework for her reading for her doing all you know whatever at home I was expecting so I think we did try to strike a balance mm -hmm. although I wouldn't deny that my time went more with Suvrat but we, I did try on my level to somewhere balance I mean I can't say that I justified it, but, you know, a, a back of my mind, I, it was always there that I'm blessed that I have two children and I need to really, really, you know, appreciate and treasure this. Yeah. And now Shreya is, you know, doing her own advocacy work inspired by her brother also. So it's, I imagine it's a very proud moment for you as a mother. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like she chose this after doing her chemical engineering and everything so what I feel like as a family how this has come into all of us Subrat has led everyone into this field I would say yeah tell us about Subrat what is he like what are some of his interests how is he now so Subrat I would say like he has moderate autism he's not very I would say like capable in terms of meeting his personal needs. He needs supervision, but he has his skills also. Like he is very good with his vocational skills. And what I understood was like when he was about 14 or 15, I realized that, you know, I he can't go too much into academics or other things. So we need to 
change the course of a life and think about it what he can do more so in the 15 i i again went to delhi and stayed there for about 4 months took vocational training where he learned you know work behavior the schedule systems following everything and i also took training for the work skills like operating the weaving systems embroidery so surat has a lot of obsession with strings so what came to my mind was like okay he loves strings how about choosing all his vocations which involves strings so the embroidery that, that he does is with the strings the weaving has the loom has the weaving loom has strings and the other things also which is doing decorative parts that is doing with the beads and all which we call bandhanwars string beads so that's also with the strings so he enjoys i think he plays with his strings he works on it and also we are teaching him his life skills which are very important taking care of his room dusting and doing all that thing washing utensils mopping floor cutting vegetables helping in kitchen so his curriculum is more revolving around these part but he can read and write also he can type on computer also he can say certain things he can write about it and tell us but then again he needs supervision he he wants someone to be by his side and we trying and working on fading away that supervision part also he's pretty capable i would say but uh, as i always feel that you need to keep short term goals as well as long term goals with him mm-hmm. his smile is very beautiful he has his meltdowns he has his anxieties because he's non verbal so you know to say it all for his attention for sometimes when he is wanting to escape and he doesn't want to do is he gets into sometimes into self injurious behaviors which is very difficult as a mother and as family to deal with it but anyways i always say that when he is good when he smiles i think we forget everything so and it's such a fun to be with him and i think he is the binding force between all of us everyone loves him that's what i'm amazed like whatever he does is loved by everyone he has some charisma i don't know what it is but is loved by everyone yeah what do you imagine for his future for his future definitely something like a residential or a group home i think that i would like him to go somewhere there and i'm preparing him we do have our plans of shifting him to trying him first for the group home if doesn't that doesn't work then the second plan b plan would be the residential thing although shreya keeps telling me like how oh, i would be taking my baby you don't have to give him stay make him stay in a group home or residential but i know what it takes to be you know taking care of him and everything and i do say that okay if you want your brother to go with you and stay for some time that's what i'm preparing him for like he can you know help you in laundry in washing utensils help you there but i would definitely want him to you know live on his own Hmm. and when i look at my own life for all mothers i would say if you have you know child with autism spectrum your entire life revolves around the child like what you would be doing in the morning or in the afternoon whether you can go for outing or you can't go for outing i mean like everything is dependent on the child so i don't want 
Shreya to be leading that kind of life. I want her to give wings and I want to lead her, a, you know, a happy end of this thing and a happy life. And whenever she wants, I know they are there for each other. And that's the most important thing. I don't want like that to come as a burden to a sibling. Sometimes, you know, you feel like, oh, sibling is there that that person will look after. I always believe these are two lives and they should be living their lives to the fullest. They can get into something like codependent life, interdependent life, but nothing like as, you know, Suvrat has to be dependent on Shreya. Mm -hmm. I don't want him to be leading that life. So my first, the next year, I mean, like it got delayed by because of the pandemic. But next year, I think by January, we're going to start with the group home and try that for about a year or something like that. If it doesn't work, then think about something more. So that's what is the plan for future for Suprat. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between group home and residential? For the group home, I would say like, you know, two, three students or I mean, like the people on spectrum living together or maybe let's not on the spectrum. One could be Down syndrome and one could be with the autism spectrum and they live like a family and in the community they live. And whereas like the residential setup that I say is more of a hostel kind of a thing, there are not too many in India as yet. There's something like two, three in South or Southern part of India. When I had sent my son there, I feel the language is a barrier because although he can't speak, but he can understand everything. But if the other people are not speaking his language, it's going to be difficult for him. Mm -hmm. And in Northern part of India, we don't have like, I would like to send my son to or if this group home doesn't happen because this is more of inclusive thing that I feel and the residential part is more of the seclusion, you know? Yeah. You need to have a bigger chunk of land, maybe on the outer skirts of the city. You put them together and they are secluded from the community or they have their own life. So that's the second part. Definitely, whatever happens, it's okay. I'm not saying and not just, you know, focusing on one plan that this has to work out. Whatever works out for him or and because as I say, for others also, because there has to be a support system for him when I'm no more. So the question is, what after us? And I want to do it right away because I still have energy and I can see him, what's happening, what are the flaws, what is best for him. So we can start working on it now. And that's what my dream is like by 25 or by 26. I should be very well aware of this is where he's going to be living. I mean, like we don't have any option. We will have to create a group home. We will have to create a residential. We, As of now, we don't have, we'll have to create one. We'll have to create one. There's nothing here right now. We don't have even one. We're struggling with the government also. But we don't have anything as of now in Chandigarh, near Chandigarh. I see. Yeah. I think he is the guiding light for us, Subra. So, you know, when there is a need, I think that so many other people would also be needing. So together, like, it's just not helping my own son and it would be, you know, together creating something more beautiful. Mm -hmm. Maybe people are not coming forward and I we've made an association also, parent association also, we're talking about it, but nobody comes in front, I think. And right now, 
because of the pandemic we thought like okay we're going to put it on hold but now in january or february we are going to you know take it through and do not think about it because we don't know when this pandemic is going to get over so we're going to look out for a small play start with you know two days or three days taking our children over there making them stay night over there and then gradually you know developing a system yeah maybe there will be more parents that start coming out yeah i'm sure they will be because i think what happens is somebody everyone waits that the other person has to take the initiative mm-hmm. so if one takes the initiative there are so many people who will join the league but to take that you know responsibility initially that we're going to do that i'm going to be there at night i'm going to be there you know every time the people would say like oh i can't leave i have this i have that i won't be able to live but right now i say like i still have some energy i don't know what will happen to me after a few years but right now i'm 50 and i will be able to take care of it for next 5 years and then i don't know mm-hmm. so let me you know utilize this time and i have always felt like by 25 my son needs to know so for my daughter as i always felt by 25 or 26 i should be knowing what she will be do what where she will live and you know wherever whatever so this is true with my son also maybe it's just a different life but the age criteria will not be different for my daughter and for my son right but yeah like you did with Sorum, you know you're creating something that is in need. Yeah. Before other people in the community too, not just Suvrit. Yeah. And I think then we can have like few group homes then we could think about the community living also if it happens or if that doesn't happen then probably maybe one or two group homes. We don't know. So uh, what I assume is like when I'm going to start, I'm sure like two, three parents are going to come and I say like, okay, you stay here, you stay here. And then, you know, we have like a community. My idea is like, if you have like more of group homes, then parents are all passionate. So for me, if I look after Subrit, I would be having similar compassion to the other child also. Mm-hmm. So if I go or if I take break or if I'm not well, so some parent can take care of the other children also. So of course the professional support will be there, but then somebody needs to go and check for their safety, for everything, for other needs. Yeah, and it's going back to how communities were living before, even how communities in smaller villages are living, where they take care of everyone. Yeah. so that it doesn't become burden on anyone everyone has to come and maybe let's say like one family could say like okay i'm going to have one meal with this family today and you that's how you know what food are they eating and that that has a surprise check so i have some plans in my mind i don't know but let's see how it goes on like you know you don't say that you're going to be here on night you don't have to be at night and then you go and stay with them and see what is going right and what's not going right so it's not like you know checking someone but also to put everything in order so that you were taking care of everything. Yeah. Well, good luck to you guys with that. Thank you. Thank you. We really need that. <laughs> We really need that. It's a very difficult decision. So maybe this is a good transition to talk about your journey with Sorum. Yeah. So as I said like when I came back from Delhi after my training there was nothing of the support system i could 
bank upon. So and he was only two at that time. So I thought of putting him into a regular playway. It was a best playway of Chandigarh. With the thought of like, okay, with the social skills, maybe with his peers, he will learn something. And for the other needs, I will be taking care. So we had put him in that school. After a few days, the counselor calls me and says that, I'm sorry, Mrs. Jan, he can't be here. I said, like, what happened? This is, did he do something? Did he disturb? Did he, you know, did something which which was not okay in the classroom? He says, no, 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 he's, he didn't do anything of that sort. He just plays with his toys and it's okay. But parents have objections that he has uh, autism and will not be able to keep him. That was kind of the first rejection I had in my life. How did that feel? Oh, I, it was like, you know, a shock. Uh, I was shattered. And not only that much, he also s- suggested that, Mrs. Jain, if you have money, you should shift to the U.S. Because that's where the services are. You're in the wrong country, ma'am. And I did not know what to say. I just heard. I did not utter a word. I took my child and I came back home. I never went back to that school. And never ever bent back to that school and say that. I said, if you're not accepting my child, I will not even fight for it. Because people told me that you should fight, you should do all those things. And I'm not engaged fighting, but it was something I couldn't accept. Like, you know, if you're not accepting, what would be if I win, if I fight? And then you say like, okay, your child can be here. So we we thought of, we will found out some very small school, which were very, very accommodating. And I spoke to the principal and she said like, okay, how can we help him? And that was the thing that I was wanting. So we went and we introduced the buddy system over there, which was super successful. So every day, like whosoever would sit with Subrat would help him with his tiffin, would help him with his notebooks, would be the monitor of the class. So that was the small, small things that we did in the classrooms and pretty successful. But again, that was a very small school, a kindergarten. He had to leave after three years. Then he went to a school, a resource room where a big school where they had this resource room because by that time there were some resource rooms and people were little aware of autism also. So Surat did okay there for two and a half years, I think. And by that time, he was hitting his puberty, about 10 or 11. So he started having challenging behaviors. And then they again called, principal again called and said like, sorry, Mrs. Jane, we can't keep him. And I was like, it's better, you know, we know you've been associated with Delhi schools and all. It's better to take him to Delhi. And again, this suggestion, when it came, like somebody said, telling me to go to the U.S., somebody telling me to go to, you know, Delhi And that's where I thought about, like, I am going from one place to another. And honestly speaking, Rachel, I was thinking all my bags were almost packed. And I thought that I will be moving to Delhi, to the center from where I took the training. The plan was like, okay, I'm going to shift and then I'm going to take along my daughter because she was also a teenager and I could not leave her behind. I said, okay, for good, we probably we shift to Delhi because that's where I'll find some support for my son and for my own self also. And this was this new school which came up, Sorum. I said, like, let me go and see what, what this place is like. So this place came up in 2008. This was 2009. I went and saw and then, then I spoke 
to the founder who um, i mean like she's she's a very you know great person and then i said like i would like my son to be here and how about if i volunteer myself here and they said like okay you're most welcome and that's where you know that thing came up with within me like how long i been i'll be you know running from one place to the another why not create something over here mm. and that was the time to take the responsibility not kind of only looking for some support systems but taking responsibility for your own child and for others also so that was the time i think let's create something here if we do not have something in chandigarh and i thought i'll give it a shot and i'll be here for a while to see if everything works and you know we have a saying i'm sure you would be having something like a very similar saying like if you do something with great passion then as the saying says so if you're doing it with all your heart the universe supports you and the you will also receive the support from 10000 miles away and that's what happened so in 2009 i joined and we collaborated with global autism project in 2010 and then of course it was no looking back and then of course uh, you know as i always say that the stand alone practitioners do not have those standardized services so for us at sorum with the global autism we had the best practices and we knew how to work so the benchmark was not something and the standardized was not something only with the local people it was the global benchmark that we were trying to meet and i think that's what we all wanted to do at sorum so my journey with sorum has been now i think more than 10 years and what role do you play there now i'm a second in command over there so the founder who's 89 years old is the principal and i'm vice principal over there mhm wonderful so now i've taken up more of a administrative role rather than as a educator role you are also a leader there amongst the staff as the vice principal how would you describe your leadership style so it was not easy for me to you know lead someone because it is like when you work as a mom it's more of passion that we want to do something with your child and when you deal with the staff and everyone so that's where you feel that oh they're not exhibiting that same kind of passion they're not understanding they're not doing what what's told to them so that's where i think i had to learn and global autism as i always say did not only help us in the assessment tools or checklist or collecting data or the behavior modification but it was also for me taking up the administrative role of how do i establish myself as reinforcement for my staff to work so i think right now i would say that it's a very happy place and i am very glad that you know i was able to learn it didn't come to me very naturally because you know you don't start your career as a professional and it was only after 40 i decided to be a professional right so that's the time where you start thinking about your children who would be taking up the profession where all your systems and get ingrained and that's the time i started studying again did my post graduation in autism spectrum disorder to be registered with rehabilitation council of india and then my bachelor's in education in intellectual disability so it came to me eventually and i had to learn lot of other skills to be a leader 
and I'm glad that where I am today, not just because of only my passion, but also as a professional, I am leading Sorum. So I would give credit to Global Autism Project. You know, the mm-hmm. summits that I attended, the training that every time I got was commendable, I would say. Yeah, you were able to attend Global Summit last year. What was that like for you? This was my second. So the first one was like a very small one with Pooja from Nigeria, Julia. With we, we all three were there in the first summit. I think Global Autism had a very beautiful way to make everyone understand not only the skills that has to be taught to the students, but to everyone how to work in unity and how to work taking this passion forward as a leader. We all learned. And so from Sorum this time, I took my team. So they were, we were about uh, four people from Sorum this time. So it was not only me I attended. There were four people attended, attended the summit. Mm-hmm. And you're right. You're all leaders in your community helping to move this mission forward so that children all over the world can receive services no matter where they are. Yeah, definitely. Every child is important. Every every child is important, without exception. Yeah. Can you share a success story related to one of your students at Sorum? There are many, I think. I would like to share one story of a student who came to us, had so much of challenging behavior, who would hit himself, bleed all over, scratch the teacher, make her bleed. And these parents came to us, like they said, we want admission in the school. And like when we saw the child, we did not know what to do. So we said, okay, we're going to start with the early intervention. He was like five or six at that time. And I said, you need to be like patient. We really don't know when we can take him. Because as the school principal, if the child is indulging into so much of the difficult behaviors, we won't be able because we'll, you know, uh, the other children are there in classrooms. So we won't be able to take him in the group settings. So it started and I would say like it was so bad that every time he went from the session back, we had to clean, mop the room because it had like blood stains. But eventually, with all those practices, we we had all those preventive measures also, the teacher to wear those gloves and, you know, tie her hair, do everything. And we made sure that, you know, two people are always there while he's working because, you know, sometimes you need a rescuer also. And, you know, giving him attention, not giving him attention at times and redirecting him if somebody is hurt so that person can take a break and, you know, not give reaction and still be there. So that is the how we took on. And I think mother was very supportive. And uh, father would keep coming to us and say, like, how many more days and how many more months will you just continue with this early intervention? I said, I'm not too sure if you would like to take your child, you can take. But we're trying our best. And I think it took about one year, four months for the child to be like perfectly sitting in his chair and working. Hmm. no injurious behaviors and then we got him into a smaller group with four five students for coming for two two and a half hours and then finally getting him to the the school classroom where he is I mean like he's such a delight to see Rachel like he 
copies from the blackboard he writes he smiles he does everything he still has occasionally of biting his hand but no more you know going and banging on walls on floor or you know doing everything he had so much of obsessions like taking away small toys to home and not releasing getting hold of certain things it was very difficult he, it was just not the challenging behaviors of uh, self you know injurious or harming others it was also stealing it was also getting obsessed with one piece of puzzle and not letting it go so we've come a long way we've come a long long way with him and i mean we all feel so proud of it that together we were able to you know make get reach here so this is one of the success stories that we've had in sodom yeah that is really inspiring now that the challenging behaviors have reduced and there's less stress in his life less stress in his parents life he's able to to learn new skills that can help him be more independent as he gets older yeah and i always say that you know if the child is not smiling we need to make sure that child needs to smile so so much is going inside him this the child doesn't smile so whenever we you know we doing assessment this is something we always take care of it you know whether child smiles or you know once or mm. twice or is not smiling even once so that's really important for all of us the child's smile is a reinforcement for us <laughs> right So how has the COVID-19 pandemic affected your center? Yeah, it's closed. It's everything is closed. It's been almost 9 months. And as I shared earlier, we have 772 students. We really don't know where children are right now, but as of now we still are in touch of 150 students. and we have having online classes, assembly. We staff is working from school. i mean like children are not there children are not allowed by the government so they're still at home but we do get uh, students if they are having a lot many challenging behaviors so we say like oh bring this child for half an hour or one hour we're all there we'll sit because when you are into your own houses loneliness depression anxiety is prevalent with everyone and so is with our children so we understand that maybe they can't go out anywhere but if you can come and meet us and we can share something with them a social story and we can make them feel better so it's okay because we're also taking a lot of precautions otherwise the support system of our finances like you know the training charges that we take from students is reduced to somewhat about 30% and to sustain on that is really very difficult because we've not asked any of our staff to go our staff is very dedicated and passionate one or two have left on their own because they found something better and they said that they found something better and they would like to leave we said like yeah that's nice for you because we'll not be able to pay you right now the full salary Mm-hmm. So we still have the staff. We're still managing. We're still trying. Are you getting support from the government during the pandemic? No, no, not at all. Not even a single penny. Nothing. Something with individual families a little bit, 
but that's also very limited we're focusing a lot on the vocational product raising some funds with the help of other vocational products that our children make mm-hmm. we're trying on that but overall you know it's really sad and i mean i don't have the heart to say to anyone to okay you know we don't have money now please leave so i'm trying on my own level whatever i can support sorum financially my husband is also very kind with that so we're trying and doing that to best of our abilities we're trying and hopefully this too shall pass and will be you know there because i don't want them to go because it's such a wonderful team that we have created i always say this as this is my family so the sorum family we will together we will sail on like you know little less it's okay but we're together that's most important mm-hmm. and my entire staff right now diwali is coming that's the biggest festival of india and we're looking forward for this diwali to make all the vocational products everyone is working towards it students have taken work home everyone every staff is you know thinking of new creative ideas what can we do we're utilizing the time that oh, when the children come back we can teach them this also we can teach them this also and we're introducing new vocational products so we've launching products in this time and we're utilizing it and i'm so proud of my own team that everyone is not even complaining of what we are doing so that's the best blessing i think and how can i say and to anyone at this point like you know they're supporting i don't have any thing to you know complain about so mm-hmm. the best thing i can do is like raise some more funds and now we have one or one one more i mean arshna choudhary is there she's also supporting with the fundraising so together we trying to our level best whatever we can do yeah and i just want to remind our listeners that we're still taking donations for our partner relief fund yeah thank you so yeah that money will go directly to our partners like sorum and other centers around the world who really need it yeah thank you so much of course all right sangeeta so let's talk about skill core You've had many Skill Corps volunteer teams visit Sorum over the years because you're one of the original partners that we've had. Yeah. Can you share a special memory you have with one of the trips? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> It will be <laughs> difficult for me to choose one. I I don't know, but every time they they are here, I think we learn and I think I found some very good friends although they are they've come and they've been here only for 14 days and they go but how passionate they are and even if you you know you talk to them now also they they are there you you can reach out to them so mm-hmm. it's not something that they will come for 14 days and then it is gone so the best part is the sustainability every time the trip leader comes so and it is decided that what we're going to work on this time 
and last time what we did and in between also there's a lot of you know we talk we keep talking like okay this is what was taught to us and how are we dealing with it are there any difficulties to implement and every part of it every bit of it and i think everyone whosoever comes gets so comfortable with eating indian food and they enjoy <laughs> so much it doesn't feel like that they're here for the first time it feels like a family i mean like you know as i said earlier that i always call sorum as my family and i it feels like the family is getting extended every time anyone comes maybe you know if let's say like eight people come out of which four or five are always there with you i mean you can reach out to them talk to them and as i shared like we've had interns also from canada the young girls who were there you know and it feels so funny like uh, the young girls who were here having so much of fun and as when you say like you know the you know, the biggest memory i think i have the biggest memory of the skill corp is my tattoo oh this is so funny i don't think i've seen that can you see it now it says hope with a lotus flower on top yeah yeah so this is like you know young girls who came and got themselves tattooed and i was like no no don't get this done i'm going to complain it to this and i'm going to do that he says no no sangeeta you can't do this i said no i'm i'm going to say this to and you can't go i mean like you're are my responsibility as well and you shouldn't be doing all this and they were like have we were having all lunch together at my home and i, I don't know how i said like you yeah, know like, if in case i would like to have a tattoo i would have a hope and then they said like let's go and i said no 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 i'll do get it no 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 and they just took me and got my tattoo done, got it done and then you know every time i said and my when my daughter looked at me so like mom what is this and i said like i don't know but i got it done that's so funny that's that's actually yeah. a policy we have now we're not allowed to get tattoos on skill core trips and it might be because yes. of this incident <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. I'm sure about it. I'm sure about it. This was from India. <laughs> This was from India, and I kept on telling them, "You shouldn't be doing it. You shouldn't be doing it." And I had to disclose to the, uh, you know, global autism also. Like, you know, I'm like little scared when they go, and sometimes we don't know where <laughs> where they go and get it done. So yeah, yeah so. it was like little scary for me so i had to inform like and then they formed it a group like no tattoos <laughs> yeah so now you have a permanent memory yeah that's beautiful that's it's a very beautiful because i think it says hope and uh, and whenever you you know what you need to catch is catch holders of hope and if you have hope you will keep persevering and when you keep persevering you will definitely you know find your destination no matter what it's just like you know do not ever ever give up never say that i'm not going to win so even if at the darkest moments i think today again i'm not going to be defeated is my you know my motto mm-hmm. if i can't say that i today i'll win Today again, I'll not be defeated. Is my favorite motto, which I follow from my Buddhism. Hope is the best thing. I I feel mm-hmm. to you know continue because this is not a easy journey as a parent or as a professional working in this particular field. So, it's what we can hold on to. Yeah, that's what I I I totally believe in. Mm-hmm. 
So what part of Indian culture do you like to share with the teams when they visit? So we are in Punjab, as I said, like northern part of India. So basically more of Punjabi culture of going to temples and gurdwaras, Sikh temples and food. Food is definitely something we the Indians, you know, are mm-hmm. good at. I love Indian food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. And I think, uh, you know, we have a culture very different from the U.S. What I've seen is like every Indian family cooks in the morning, has this different boxes, would take the packed lunch and breakfast along with them. We're not used to eating out as, you know, it's not in our culture. So we cook a lot. It's like occasionally, I mean, like Saturday or Sunday would go and eat out, but otherwise, like it's all home food. So mm-hmm. wherever the skill cop team comes, like home food is something that we all offer that everyone at Sorum also, we would, you know, all carries our tiffin boxes for the skill cop teams that, mm-hmm. oh, today we got this for you. Today we got everyone with goods is like, okay. And then it's like sharing of your tiffin boxes. We call, I don't know what you call like a lunchbox? Yeah, like a lunchbox, yeah. Can they handle the spices? Oh, yeah, they love it. We're so surprised. I mean, like we would say, sometimes I would say that, you know, it's a little spicy for me, but they would. But yeah, there are few people who would say that we are not okay with spices. But at food at my home is usually not with too much of spices because Surat can't handle it. Mm, so, okay. and we're now used to it. But some teachers have little spicy food and I've seen so many skill cop teams, they come and they say like, oh, we thought that we won't be able, we won't love this these spices, but they enjoy. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Sorum, one of the vocations that we have is the spices, grinding spices, selling them. Mm-hmm. So it's such a, you know, funny thing that everything, every time they'll say like, oh, what spices do I need now? And every time they will buy such big bag full of spices when they <laughs> go from India is uh, like, oh, I need chai masala, the tea masala. I need this. Everyone is excited about spices. I, I think this is something, uh, this is new to us that they won't be able to eat but they really love everything, every bit of Indian food they love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Sangeeta. We're going to have to wrap up here, but I'd like to close with one last question. What advice would you offer other autism parents whose children are now adolescents and will soon be adults? So for me to always, you know, calibrate your goals what are you looking for? Be always very realistic what your child can do. And where do you see him when you are no more? And think about it that, you know, as I always say, choose two goals. If you can't choose too many goals, one goal, which will make your child's life easier. And one goal, which will make your own life as a parent or whomsoever the child is living with will make his or her life easier. So the two goals, whatever makes everyone, you know, let's say like, you know, easier life. That's what we have to have in our curriculum most when we are going on to the adolescent and adults. And also not to always, always, you know, think in the terms of meltdowns, in the terms of, because what I have experienced as uh, that when, the child is into the adolescence 
you often find that child engages into the challenging behaviors so not always every time getting into the you know tiff with the the child of this okay i am stronger than you i'm sure if you have a neurotypical child you would know that how much you know tiffs you have with your child like this child can say things and say like i don't want you are this you are that they have their verbal fights with the children on spectrum probably that's the only way they can fight and we should meet midway not having into a kind of a fight thing and not even getting depressed it's the normal phenomena as you've enjoyed your children enjoy the adolescence also that's what i would say that not thinking like okay you know this child has autism and so so has this so many challenging behavior it's just like different way of expression of their individuality i think it's there yeah it's part of that acceptance it's part of that acceptance and every day for a parent is acceptance every day we can't say that i have oh, i have accepted the diagnosis the diagnosis in itself is nothing you have to accept every day and work on it of course but acceptance is the first step to it to you know build on it something if you're not accepting anything you can't work on it mm-hmm. so it's not a we're not talking about the passive ac- acceptance purely yeah that's great advice thank you sangeeta thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure and you know i wish you guys luck at sorum during this difficult time and i hope that your staff can continue to be motivated under your guidance thank you so much i will say my under my guidance i i think together we'll be if i need them they'll be with me and if they need me i'll be there with them so i would rather have this kind of relationship rather than under me mhm does sorum have a social media account where people can follow you we have a facebook account we also have a instagram so for the facebook it's sorum and when this uh, society started it the full form was society for mentally challenged because at that time it was called as mentally challenged and there was no autism so we still keeping the same name but we call this as sorum rather than you know calling it as mentally challenged because it doesn't feel like doesn't feel good about it so we call this as sorum so we have the instagram page also with the uh, sorum 36 okay yeah so even if you put it on sorum chandigarh i'm sure you'll be able to open the link although we were very new on the social media we learned it and we are trying and following it yeah i'll post links to it in our show notes yeah thank you so much all right sangeeta well tell shreya and suvrit that i say hello yeah sure thank you so much rachel it was pleasure talking to you today thanks for tuning in to autism knows no borders throughout this podcast we've been hearing stories from people like sangeeta incredible individuals who when told that there is nowhere for autistic children to learn decide to take matters into their own hands and create their own opportunities By breaking stigmas and spreading awareness, these change makers are undoubtedly transforming their communities and the world into a more inclusive place. I love the Indian proverb that Sangeeta shared. If you do something with great passion, the universe will support you and you will receive the support from 10,000 miles away. 
This saying perfectly describes our global autism community. Although we can't see each other in person these days, we continue to love and support each other from various corners of the world. Our partners, like Sangeeta, could use your help in these challenging times. Just a reminder that we're still taking donations for our COVID-19 Partner Relief Fund. Since the start of the crisis, our partners all over the world have been adapting their services to support some of the most vulnerable children and their families. The good news is that you can help ensure schools like Sorum continue running services by making a donation today. 100% of your donations to the Partner Relief Fund go directly to our partners who need it most. You will be supporting internet access for remote teaching, educational materials, and protective equipment. You can make a difference today by supporting families and their children in our partners' communities. Donations can be made at globalautismproject.org. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at autismknowsnoborders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate the show and leave a review. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.